Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, good morning, beloved family. So good to be with you live. Um, and I just think I lost something that I wanted to bring to you. Today is a first class feast. For Peter and Paul. Hold on just a moment. Okay, we're good, we're good. Um, so hello. <laughs> it's good to be with you. I'm I'm always so grateful when I can be with you live and I say we're never going to run another encore, but things happen and sometimes we just, we, we, they're beyond our control. Um, but we are here and we are so grateful. And um, I tell you, I just came from Holy Mass this morning at um, the Church of St. John the Baptist, the only Catholic church here in Beloit, Kansas, where we are. It is our church. The priest is a very beautiful, holy man of God. His name is Father Jarrett Conradi. And um, had a little incident yesterday. Um, a 13-year-old or young, I may not be right about the age, a young teenage, um, a young teenager, a girl actually, um, was responsible for a little fire being set in the church. And it was small. We had all the fire engines out. There's no paid firemen in Beloit. They're all volunteer, and they're fabulous. And they came in droves to the church to put it out and to find out where it was, because even a little fire sets a huge, huge um, amount of smoke. And so it, it was a, a small area, but the smoke went up through the towers and billows and throughout the whole church. So there's a tremendous amount of smoke damage. Um, we were there, uh, even personally, getting all the vestments out, and so they'd all be saved, but, um, but they're filled with smoke. The church is filled with smoke. Father said at Mass this morning, we're going to have to replace many things, including tearing the carpet out from such a small little fire. I'm thinking of the letter to James that the tongue is a tiny little thing, but it is very powerful for doing evil. So very small, but um, it's affected the entire church. We had mass this morning in the gym. And because it's the uh, feast of Saints Peter and Paul, a very, very um, important feast in the church, the church is founded on the apostles and prophets, specifically St. Peter and St. Paul. Peter would be the preacher to the Jews and Paul to the Gentiles. And our Lord said to Peter, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock, because Peter means rock, uh, I will build my church, and um, uh, the gates of hell won't prevail against it. And he said that when Peter said, Thou art the Christ, that means the Messiah, the Redeemer, the Savior, um, the Son of the Living God. And our Lord said to Peter, Peter, 
You couldn't have known this by yourself. Flesh and blood hath not told this to you, but my Father who is in heaven has told it to you. And so Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And God said, Thou art Peter. Upon this rock, upon you, Peter, I will build my church. Um, in the Greek, it's Cephas. Uh, Petros is Peter. In um, um, how do I? What what is it? Um, the beginning. I think the Greek, and there can be a feminine and masculine, and a large and a small, and all of that. So, in my Protestant world, we said Peter's the pebble, but Christ is the rock. But that's not what our Lord said. The original word, the Aramaic, is kepha. And so Jesus would have said, um, Thou art kepha, and upon this kepha I will build my church. The church is built on Peter, on his confession of Christ. But as one good Protestant pastor said, God has not built his church on confessions, but on confessors. Peter is the rock on which Christ would build his church. And Paul, uh, one as one born out of time, late, um, so to speak, became the 13th apostle. And uh, the, um, um, the emissary, the missionary to the Gentiles, which is why he wrote to the Romans, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Um, and so in, in Father's homily this morning, um, he wasn't expecting to say what he did, and we certainly didn't expect it. But he told us about yesterday and about the young girl who came and apologized. And I, I, I was missing some of Father's words, but the part that I got is that she apologized, and I think Father said he, he didn't know quite what to say to her. But he was saying that the building that the damage done, uh, again, the area of the fire was small, but the damage done was into the library, into the whole church, into everything, and because of smoke. And so um, uh, this is church, I think it was built early in the 1900s, maybe 1901. The church is a couple hundred years old. We are putting together our next newsletter. Uh, I've been threatening to do that. It's actually the first newsletter we've, we will have put out since last Christmas when we were yet in Tulsa. Um, so this will be the first newsletter. And we have a picture taken from a, um, um, oh, what do you call those cameras that fly? <laughs> Isn't that terrible? I can't, I want to say a scone, but that's not, a drone, thank you, James, a drone. And it's just magnificent, and we've made it the cover of our newsletter. So you will see this beautiful, beautiful church. And Father said this morning, um, we had, they have insurance uh, that's going to cover repairs, all of that. But nothing, there's no amount of money that can replace that church. There's no amount of insurance money that can replace that church. And not from the little file that's been done, but many of the things in the church. And the church itself, if it all burned down, there's absolutely no amount of money that can replace it. And when that young girl um, admitted her crime, um, father looked at her and said, you are of more value than that building. And Father didn't expect to say that. God was, the Holy Spirit, utterly active in his heart. 
And he said, that was his whole response to her, you are more active, uh, rather, sorry, more valuable than that building. And of course, that's 100% true. It must have stunned her because any young person, any person who understands their dignity in God would not do something like that. Anyone who truly knew they were loved, they truly knew it. They could be told it that that's not the, often that's not what does it. Uh, we have to know that we're loved. And anyone who knew that they were loved, who knew their value, um, would not have done whatever she did or whatever she was thinking. Um, I don't know the facts. I don't know if she tended to set the building in fire. It was happened in a stairwell. I have no idea what she was doing. But no matter what she was doing, it would not have happened if she knew her dignity and her beauty and how much she was loved. And so by God, by parents, by other situations in which she grew up. And Father went on to say, I agree with him fully, he went on to say that there wouldn't be the crime and evil in the world if the message was preached and absorbed uh, of how much each Dignity, the dignity of each person. That would end all the crime. That would end so-called critical race theory, which is not based on color or, or the color of skin. That's an insanity altogether. Uh, somebody's worth is not, has nothing to do with their skin color. Um, it has all to do with every single soul is made in the image of God and, and infinitely loved, eternally loved. Um, there wouldn't be Black Lives Matter. There wouldn't be any race uh, situations, slavery. There would be nothing if everyone knew how much they were loved. If, if I knew, if I know my dignity before God, if I know how much I'm loved, am I going to make someone a slave? Am I going to treat them with cruelty? As if I'm above them or they're below me or they're simply a servant? There's no way in the world. When we treat others that way, it's because we don't know who we are. We don't know that we're made in the image of God. We don't know that. We may know it intellectually, but we, it, the message has never truly gotten through to us because if it did, we would love others as God has loved us. So I was very struck by that this morning and the message of St. Peter and Paul and... Um, Part of the reading was from First Corinthians, and then also, of course, from Matthew 16, upon this rock I will build my church. And um, um, so the Apostle Paul, um, his first letter was written to the church that he founded when he was on his way to kill people. Uh, to, to kill Jews who dared to believe in man, this Christ, that's worthy of death. He was on his way to kill them when God threw him off his horse and blinded him. And through God's incredible work in Paul, the world knows the gospel of Christ. Um, at least it's available to most of the world today, not all yet. 
uh, and we are the richest people of all to have it. So there's the music for our first break, beloved. We'll take your calls, emails, and texts at the second break, uh, and the toll-free number one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three. Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam, host of Mother Miriam Live. Like the Catholic Current and the many other programs that originate from the Station of the Cross, Divine Mercy in My Soul is all about the messages that Jesus revealed to St. Faustina. It is aired every Sunday morning at 11 Eastern and Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Or you can listen anytime to Divine Mercy in My Soul on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. Podcasts of our network-produced shows are free for your listening pleasure at thestationofthecross.com and on our free iCatholic Radio app for Android and Apple mobile devices. Be uplifted in your faith and inspired to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. Listen today at thestationofthecross.com or on our iCatholic Radio mobile app. We stand at a crossroads in history. We can stand up for life, family, and a Christian culture, or we can stand idly by while the fabric of society becomes fundamentally anti-life, anti-family, and anti-Christian, slowly leading to its own demise. LifeSite News is the leading defender of life, family, and Christian culture. Through our news reporting, we seek to educate readers with information and zeal. They need to fight the most crucial battles of our day. And we need your help to continue that mission. You can support LifeSite News by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Another way to support LifeSite is to prayerfully consider becoming a Sustain Life monthly donor to help us continue to save lives in the culture. To donate, visit give.lifesitenews.com forward slash sustain life. Our staff of over 40 and millions of future generations Thank you for helping to save the culture. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. Um, we are live with you. And something just happened to my computer. I tell you what, whoever the demon of technology is, get thee behind us. Um, but what I wanted to do, because it's the feast of Saints Peter and Paul, I'd like us to be together for three hours so I could read everything I'd like to. But the very first church that the Apostle, of course, he wrote 13 letters of the New Testament. It's, it's all St. Paul, mostly, not all. Um, tremendously converted overnight, overnight. Um, and so the first church he founded was the Corinthians. And he wrote two letters to them, First and Second Corinthians. And they were um, mostly Jewish people, uh, although not all, I don't, exactly know the the makeup of the Corinthian church, but they were idol worshipers. There was all kinds of immorality in the family, outside the family, awful. And he founded them 
And then he went off on his missionary journeys to found other churches. And he heard awful things about them, the church that he founded, the church that Christ gave his life for. And so he wrote them uh, two letters. And I'm going to begin with the, the first letter, 1 Corinthians. It really mirrors a lot of what's going on in our world today. But here it is, Paul founded them, he taught them all the principles of Christianity, gave them the Eucharist, did everything, and they're back to their quarrels and divisions and all of that again. So it really, human, human nature doesn't change. And Paul writes this, Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes, Sosthenes was with Paul on his missionary journey. And Paul says, I'm writing to the church of God, which is in Corinth. And I want to comment on that. So many people have said, this is the American church. It is not. The American church is not part of the Catholic church. We are the Roman Catholic church in America. The seat of Peter is in Rome. This is the Roman Catholic church in America, in China, in wherever, whatever country it is. It's not the American church. It is the Catholic church in America. <clears throat> and Paul says to the church of God, which is at Corinth. So it's not the Corinthian church. It is the church of God located at Corinth to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. See, there's no difference between believers. We're all baptized into Christ. We are one body. Somebody's the nose, somebody's the arm. We are one body in Christ. And he says, call to be saints. And you know, that doesn't mean that when we die, if we die in a state of grace and our life was heroic, we'll be saints such as those we call saints, St. Faustinus, Mother Teresa, St. John Paul II, St. Bonaventure, all of that, that's not what that means. We are called to be saints now on earth as we live. Do you know when we become saints? In baptism. If you have been baptized in the so-called Trinitarian formula, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, you have become a child of God. You are baptized into Christ who has removed from you through baptism the stain of original sin and uh, has poured his life into you. And that makes you a saint. Does that mean you don't sin? I wish it meant that, but it doesn't. It means that we are holy. You say, well, that doesn't help me because I'm not holy either. Oh, yes, you are. Holy means to be set apart from the world to God, and that you are. We all, everyone baptized is consecrated to God. To, they are set apart from the world to God, whether they're baptized at one minute old, out of the womb, or a hundred years old, makes no difference. At that baptism, in the water, through the water, or water poured over our head, water doesn't save. Water is a symbol of cleansing. And the sacraments say that they are um, a visible sign of God's invisible grace. So water symbolizes cleansing. And through the water, God does in the soul what the sacrament symbolizes. So water symbolizes cleansing. And God is showing us what he's doing 
as we experience the water poured over us, dunked into us, we get dunked. It's not an issue. But God is showing us that through the obedience to him, through baptizing, he, through baptism, he is cleansing our soul and we become a new creature in him, a new child of God. Original sin is removed and the very life of God is put in us and we are sealed for the day of redemption. Can anybody undo our baptism? No. If we grow up to be a murderer and a thief and kill 20 people and never repent, has anyone removed the seal of our baptism that we are a child of God? Absolutely no. But what if we wind up in hell? Do we become somehow we're no longer a child of God? No, no. We're sealed in baptism for the day of redemption. We remain a child of God and there are children of God filling heaven and there are many children of God in hell. That's a huge study I did on my way into the Catholic Church. There are children of God in hell. They are baptized, but they have, of their own free will, turned from God. And so Paul writes to the Church of God, which is at Corinth, to those sanctified. Sanctified means consecrated, set apart um, in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, that's us, that's you and I, if you've been baptized, beloved, together with all those who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you, he says, grace to you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what? When you write letters to your friends, you could be in the third grade, you could be a grandmother, grandfather. When you write a letter, Every one of us can begin that grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ because grace is the very life of God in our souls and we can, we can impart that to others through word, through deed, through letter. It's beautiful. Apostle Paul says, I give thanks to God always for you. This is to the Corinthians, the church he founded. I give thanks to God always for you because of the grace of God which was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him with all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony to Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift. Did you know that? When you get baptized, you don't get pieces of God, parts of God, you get all of God. That means you have the spiritual gifts within you at baptism. Paul says you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. You, beloved, if you're listening, you, every single soul, anywhere in the world, any age, any circumstance, whether you're in church or in jail, you were called into the fellowship of God's Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that doesn't mean you have received the call. It doesn't mean you haven't rejected it. It doesn't mean you're living it, um, but you were called into that fellowship. Christ died for every single soul living, whoever lived, whoever would live. And so Paul says... Because of all that, I appeal to you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no dissensions among you, 
but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. You see, that's what we need today. Everyone's talking about unity, but there's no unity apart from truth. If we are, um, uh, I appeal to you, brethren, Paul says, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree that there be no dissensions among you. Where there are so many dissensions within the church right now, we are an embarrassment to the world. But that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. You can't be of the same mind if one says this and the other says that. The same judgment. For it has been reported to me, this is in Paul's day, by Chloe's people, that there is quarreling among you, my brethren, and this was in the first century, right after the Christ died in resurrection. What I mean, Paul says, is that each one of you says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ. He says, how can you each belong to different ones? Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? No way. I'm thankful, he says, that I baptized none of you except Christus, Crispus and Gaius, lest anyone should say that you were baptized in my name. There's no baptism. It doesn't matter who baptized us physically. We're baptized into Christ, by Christ, for Christ, into Christ. We are of Christ, not of any human being. I did, Paul says, I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not whether I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach. Preach the gospel, and not with eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. See, dear ones, Paul was very, very careful to not be the center of attention, to not draw attention onto himself. Um, but it was Christ he preached, and the only successful homily he could ever account for is those, uh, are those homilies that drew his hearers to Christ, that they would prostrate themselves, bow before Christ, and beg his forgiveness and repent and believe the gospel. Paul says, for the word of the cross is folly, foolishness, to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, who believe, beloved, who have been baptized, it is the power of God, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the gods, of God says, I'm sorry, God says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the cleverness of the clever, I will thwart. He's not interested in that. He's interested in using us to be his instruments to a lost and hurting world. Where, Paul says, where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. There's the music for our second break, dear ones, and the next half hour is ours completely. Feel free to call in with anything whatsoever on your heart, toll free, 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at 
thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. The future of the family is grim. As Our Lady of Fatima said, the final battle will be for the family. It truly seems as though we're in the heat of this final battle and we need your help. Our mission at LifeSite News is to educate and activate readers with the information they need to defend life and the family and restore Christian culture. We are currently the most popular pro-life website on the internet with over 40 million unique users every year. And we've been experiencing an even bigger reach than ever this year. But we need your help to reach more of the 7.7 billion people on earth if we are to truly succeed in changing the culture. Please consider donating to help our mission of promoting the culture of life and fearless defenders of the faith like Mother Miriam. Visit give.lifesite.news.com to give today. Thank you for your support. If you're looking to make the most out of what you can donate to Catholic Radio, making a transfer of stock is a great opportunity for your giving to go even further in support of the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. Please consider this option in helping us spread the gospel message over the airwaves and through mobile devices. Many people donate to charities by gifting stock. There are even substantial tax benefits for donating stock to a charity such as ours. Would you like to learn more about the possibility of gifting stock to the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network? Please call us at 1-877-888-6279. That's 1-877-888-6279. You can also visit us online at thestationofthecross.com. That's thestationofthecross.com. Thank you for your support of Catholic Radio. May God bless you and your family. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, dear ones. To Mother Miriam live. I'm so happy to be with you. This is our half hour together, and you are welcome to call in with anything at all on your heart. Toll free 1 877 511 5483 or email at mother at the station of the cross.com. We have a text um, from someone who writes it anonymously. Um, and says, Hi, Mother. I think I read this before, but I wanted to see if I could get a resource for this mother. She says, My daughter loves Jesus very much. She was sexually abused by a man for a year. Then she attempted suicide. She is in an inpatient facility now, enduring a lot of suffering, because her group keeps getting COVID. And then they have to isolate what are some words of encouragement that I can give her? You know, um, I, I, I wish, I wish I knew. I don't have words for your daughter. If I knew more about her, 
maybe I could speak with her. I could, uh, I could uh, perhaps uh, be of, of help. And let me just say this. Um, if you hear this on the Station of the Cross or LifeSite News, um, I, I don't encourage people to call me directly often because uh, there's no way for me to keep up and speak with everyone personally. But if your daughter... Um, and if the facility will allow her, um, go ahead and um, email me through our website, uh, motherofisraelshope.org. Email me. Tell me who you are, that you're the mother of this daughter. And um, and if you can give me a number to call her, uh, and this is possible, maybe you could arrange with her inpatient facility, um, that there's a time that I could call her. I will do that. Um, all right. And I, I can also give you my number. Um, we don't have a landline here uh, so far in Kansas. And the only number I have is my cell phone. And I'm, I, I just would hesitate to give that out uh, over the air. But if you go on the website, just email us um, and um, and let me know the situation and we'll see if we can arrange for me to talk with her. I would love that. But the main thing, uh, let me just read the rest of this. My daughter loves Jesus very much. She was sexually abused by a man for a year, then she attempted suicide. She is in an inpatient facility now, enduring a lot of suffering because her group keeps getting COVID and then they have to isolate. What are some words of encouragement that I can give her? See, much depends on her faith as well. If she has faith, if she believes in God, I would try to convince her, though it's very difficult, that nothing touches us, even the greatest evil that God doesn't allow. He does not, he's not the cause of evil, but if it touches us, he has allowed it. Uh, I personally have gone through an awful lot of evil in my own life. And I couldn't have said this years back, but I could certainly say it now as a Catholic. I know that nothing has ever touched me. I know it now. Or nothing touches me now that God does not allow. And if God allows it, he may know that it may, from our purpose, from our point of view, destroy us, scar us for life, cause us to want to commit suicide, all of that. God knows that. And yet he allowed it anyway. Why would he have allowed it? Um, I don't have the answer for that, except that I know that nothing touches us that God doesn't allow, as, as heinous as it is. And I think I, uh, well, I know I've mentioned in the past that in my Protestant years, I was a women's jail chaplain for 10 years. There's no situation that I didn't come across. Uh, women that have been abused, uh, women trying to commit suicide, um, homosexual activity, every single thing, uh, because they had no reason to live, and I don't blame them. And so... Um, I bless God for what he allowed me to go through uh, that I could understand some of their devastation and scars and pain and desire to commit suicide. I could understand it. So, again, if possible, I'd love to speak with your daughter. If not, it's quite all right. Um, But if you could convince her that God the Father... Uh, was the same place when she was being abused 
that he was when his son was being put to death on the cross. Um, If we had a chance to escape such suffering, sexual abuse, murder, any kind, uh, words that kill our heart, all things, we would escape them. But Christ did have the opportunity to escape, and the Father did. What, What parent? You're writing because you're in pain for your daughter's pain, but you would never have chosen it for her. And yet God the Father chose to put his son to death for us. It's a measure of love we'll never understand. Um, And so Catholic teaching says that we can redeem our suffering. We could be made whole by taking that suffering and giving it to Jesus, saying, Lord Jesus, you know my devastation, you know my depression, you know that I want to end this by suicide, by any other way, drugs, anything I can. You know this, um, and yet you've allowed it. And I ask you to take this devastation that I live with, the suffering that I live with every day of my life. There's not a day that goes by that I can't think of the abuse. Let her say all this to God and say, Lord, I give it to you for the salvation of the world or the salva- or my salvation or the salvation of my family or people I love or people who never hear the gospel or let the Blessed Mother choose what she wants to use and leave it in her hands and she'll find a very good purpose for it. But we join our sufferings to the sufferings of Christ on the cross. And he takes them and he uses them. So often I'll say to the devil, you stupid, stupid creature, you're giving me, you're giving me the means to give to God. You're, you're recalling my sufferings to me personally. You're giving me something to give to God again and again and again, stupid devil, because God's going to use it for salvation. So we're thwarting you. And what happens when we give our sufferings to God? Are they gone? Usually not. Not always. Sometimes God heals us on the spot immediately, but that's not the norm. What happens is that they no longer control us. They no longer hinder us. They no longer keep us in depression. We can go on with our life knowing that the sufferings that have been put upon us, God is using to thwart the devil's plans, and he saves people by that. And then we can say with Paul, death, where is thy sting? Because it's no longer sting, no longer controls us. We've put the suffering to work for salvation, and the scars and all that we have, they remain. They remain. So we're not completely free of memory and scars, but they no longer control us. We've put them to work. And, and then I think of the scars that we've given to Jesus by our sins, the nail scars in his hands, the spear in his side, the unbearable holes in his head that the crown of thorns caused. And the scriptures say, when we get to heaven, we will see a lamb as if slain. He will bear the scars we have caused for all eternity. So all of those things, uh, dear mother of this daughter, have helped me. If any of them can help your daughter, I would be thrilled. We will be praying for her. Um, 
you can also look up um, uh, Catholic um, inpatient facilities for abused teenage girls. Uh, maybe she's at one, but um, look up the word Catholic as well. Uh, there's one online that I came across last week, and I don't recall it right now, um, but see if you can. Okay, God bless you, and again, feel free to email me, and if we can connect by phone, that would be a wonderful. Um, okay, let's see now. Um, we... Um, have a text from someone who writes it anonymously and says, Good morning, Mother Miriam. I would like to remain anonymous. My son listens to your podcast, and he was very moved by the episode on Tuesday. He took all his Disney mer- no, he took all his Disney merchandise, which he has had since early childhood, and put it in the gar- garage. I thought it said garbage in the garage tells me he wants to throw it away. Is it demonic enough for him to throw these things away? Those things are not demonic uh, that he has in the garage. But Disney has turned demonic. They're they're from hell these days. It's Walt Disney would be devastated. Um, And I would have nothing to do with Disney. I would cancel anything from Disney, cancel their channel, cancel um, any films. I would, again, if you want to keep cute little Mickey Mouses for your children, do that. But um, I think if we're older and we understand these things, I would burn them all. They're not demonic, but I would just simply burn them all. And just have no reminders. Put out of our society what has turned to evil. That's what I would do. There's no should. Um, it's it's. Um, I personally would throw everything away. Um, I don't know how old your son is. Um, I think if he's old enough, seven and above, I would say, he could make his own decision. I would say that. Um, if he's into the occult or anything, they should definitely be burned away, burned, even though they're not occultish. Uh, otherwise, there's no harm in them. But again, I think I would leave it up to his heart. We have an email from Christian. Um, uh, and Christian says, Hi, Mother Miriam. I was reflecting on today's reading from Matthew 6, 7 to 15. I was wondering, is it possible to forgive through actions, not just by telling someone I forgive them. I know I had people who upset me in the past, but I hardly ever think about it. I look ahead and live day by day. Is it possible to forgive through actions, not just by telling someone I forgive them? Christian, I I would say, uh, yes, uh, your actions follow your words. Your actions are what validate your words. So it would depend now. Um, If someone has really harmed you in some way, through scandal, through theft, for whatever it is, um, I would not let them assume you've forgiven them by your kind actions. Absolutely not. You need to tell them that. You need to go to them, and you need 
first to forgive them from your heart, and then you need to go to them and say, I want you to know that God tells us to forgive as God in Christ has forgiven me, has forgiven us. And God has certainly forgiven me, and I forgive you for whatever they've done to you. I forgive you. I truly forgive you. I require nothing of you, but I absolutely forgive you. And then again, if you feel that you want to do a kind deed to help them know and believe your forgiveness, you're welcome to do that. But it has to be very related to that act. And as far as people who upset you in the past, you don't think about it. You look ahead and live day by day. If there's anyone that you need to forgive and it's keeping your relationship apart, uh, or you, you think that they are living with a suffering because they've done it to you and you haven't forgiven them, just go to them and say, you know, I've been examining my heart and my life and I don't know if this means anything to you after all this time. I want you to know God has forgiven me and I forgive you. It's very, very good, even if it was 20 years in the past. We'll be right back after this break. Hi, this is Joe McLean, host of the Catholic Drive Time Morning Show, joining you on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network each weekday morning at 7 a.m. We'll keep you informed and inspired with insightful guests and breaking news stories of the day. That's the Catholic Drive Time, weekday morning, 7 a.m. on the Station of the Cross and the iCatholic Radio app. We'll see you then. Praise be to Jesus. The Station of the Cross appreciates the generosity of our supporters. We are committed to keeping our donors' accounts up to date. If there have been changes made to your payment information, please call us so that we can update your account. 1-877-888-6279, extension 104. Or update your information online at thestationofthecross.com. Thank you for your generous support of Catholic Radio. Love learning more about the church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails and stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our church is at a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back. 
Dear ones to Mother Miriam Live, this is our last segment. We have a little more than 10 minutes. You're still welcome to call in with anything on your heart. 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We have an email from someone who writes in anonymously and says, Hi, Mother. I'm blessed to be able to ask you a question. I love you and your show as you have helped me through many challenging moments. Blessed be God, dear one. My question is this, she writes, My nieces are 7 and 10 years old. They were watching a program on TV, and the very last episode of the season, one boy ran into another, and nothing happened. But they said hello in a matter that showed they were interested in one another. The 10-year-old niece giggled and said, What happened? My mother asked, What she thought happened, and she said, he's gay. The seven-year-old proceeded to cry because she liked him. My mother explained that he is the same boy. He's still nice, and we still like him. My question is, because children are confronted with this sin so early in life today, should we be explaining to them that it is sin? And if so, how do we ensure that they are able to comprehend that we do not like the sin, but love the sinner. Thank you, and God bless you, Mother. Number one, children should never be watching any program that a parent doesn't approve of beforehand. How do you approve of it? Well, if it's a movie, you must see it before you let your children see it. Right through. That's it. Don't be surprised while they're watching it. Uh, I don't know what this series is, um, the very last episode of the season. Now, I have no idea what the episodes are, what the season is, but apparently it's an episode that cannot be trusted. So that's the parent's responsibility. You couldn't have maybe known in advance that scene would be shown, but it's apparently not a trustworthy source uh, and you simply cannot allow your children to watch it. You must know it, and when you say um, let me see now um, confronted hold on now um, my mother explained he's the same boy And she said, my question is because children are confronted with this sin so early in life today. Well, why are they confronted with it? They shouldn't be in your home. Absolutely not confronted with it. So you must throw out your TV or only put EWTN or certain stations on. Um, Don't let them turn it on and watch what they want. Even if it's a children's program, don't do it. Even if it's a so-called family channel, don't do it. Get solid Catholic sources today. And if it limits their watching TV, it's going to limit that. So be it. Get good videos, good Catholic videos, age-appropriate videos for them. There's plenty of them. Go to Ignatius Press, EWTN, um, um... I can't think of hand tan t a n publishers um uh refuge for sinners 
Joyful Catholic, it's the same. Um, I just, uh, they're not coming to my mind right now. There's plenty of good, solid Catholic videos. And the minute you buy a video from Ignatius Press has many videos for children. The minute you buy a video and from that, whatever source it is, and that video turns out to have any homosexual uh, activity in it or signs of homosexual activity like this one, um, enough for the 10-year-old to recognize it and giggle and the 7-year-old to cry, uh, for my part, I wouldn't simply throw the video out. I would no longer purchase anything from that company, and I would write them and let them know. One video that they sell is enough. Even if they sell a thousand things that are 100% correct, they sell one video that's not, I would completely take them off my resource list. They have a responsibility to, if we're going to trust them, to watch They have editors to watch and edit every single thing that they sell. And if they don't, that's their problem. Don't make it yours. And if they say, oh, my goodness, we didn't realize that. Well, that's their responsibility. And how much will they not have realized about other products? Take them off your list. And then she says, my question is, because children are confronted with this sin so early in life today, and I I reiterate, let it not be in your home. Let it not be in books you get, on TV programs. Let it not be you, because you will be in sin if you expose it to them. And she says, should we be explaining to them that homosexuality is a sin? Absolutely. At 7 and 10 years old, don't they read the Bible? The the Old Testament is replete. Uh, The book of Genesis, read it. It's with homosexual sin, where people were put to death. The New Testament as well. There's nothing wrong with seven-year-old on up knowing that. And you can still tell them that God loves the sinner. He died for us. There's no one of us who's not a sinner, including your seven- and ten-year-old. We're all sinners. They should be going to confession. Um, We're all sinners. Um, So we all love the sinner, but we hate the sin because God hates the sin. And we don't, it's nothing to giggle out. And it's nothing, uh, so the explanation that he's the same boy, he's still nice, we still like him, is, is very bad. Um, he's not the same boy that God created. He has been, he is that boy, but he has been affected by the fall and by awful distortions that he has been affected by. And one is that... Um, a boy could be with another boy intimately or a girl with a girl or that anybody can choose gender. That is straight from the devil all the time, no matter what. Um, And you could say nobody is born that way. There are people who disagree, but science has proved otherwise. No one is born that way. So they have had influences in their life, whether it's from the home or school or elsewhere. We cannot know that. It doesn't matter. We need to love them, but we need to reject their sin and their lifestyle. Um, And we need to be grateful for the faith we have and always reach out, not to despise anyone, but always to hate the sin by loving the sinner. 
I hope somehow that helps. I just can't um, emphasize enough to everyone the responsibility that parents have to make sure their children see nothing that is un-Catholic on TV or in film or in books. And you say, my goodness, we have to get specifically Catholic things. No, the whole world is Catholic. Truth is Catholic, wherever you find it. Truth is Catholic. Cinderella is Catholic. Sound of Music is Catholic. Uh, Man for All Seasons. Um, what are some good, um, I don't know, Bambi. I, I can't recall all the old films. If they're true, if they're good, they're Catholic. Anything that's true is Catholic. It doesn't have to say Catholic. doesn't have to speak of Christ necessarily. But if it's true and the values are holy and good, it's Catholic. But you must recognize what is untrue and what is of the devil. It's not a matter of degrades uh, or grading. Um, the enemy is very good of letting you say, well, it's just that little tiny part, that little one sentence. That's enough. Throw it out. Burn it. So don't give it away. Burn it and throw it out. Don't spread the devil's evils. That's just the way he does it. Subtly. God bless you, and we'll speak with you tomorrow.